Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 36 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the evening service of Sunday the 7th of February 2010, entitled The Truth About Satan, Part 6, and the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to open your Bibles this evening for Scripture reading, it should be a familiar one to you for sure. You know that uh, your pastor's not averse to taking on impossible tasks sometimes. Of course, if uh, you're here this evening, we are actually on uh, sermon number 36 in a series that we're going through on contending for the faith. And of course, for some time now, we've been looking at the fundamentals of the faith, those things that we must at all cost be willing to stand for, to fight for, to live for, to die for. You know, there's some things that are important to us, but there's some things, folks, that there's just absolutely no room whatsoever for compromise. And of course, this is the sixth and final in one of those fundamentals, which is the truth about Satan. Now, thus far, as we have looked here, we have talked about so many different things, and uh, I was talking to the men the other night in the, in, in the council meeting that, uh, you know, the problem is when you're going through a series like this, you begin to have so many things that you need to review that if you're not careful, uh, you don't have enough time to get into the new stuff. Well, I'm not going to review a lot for you tonight. Uh, they're all there on the website if you've, uh, if you've missed any of them. But uh, in our portion here, speaking about the truth about Satan, trying to overcome this myth that we looked at those early statistics that it's absolutely phenomenal, not just the world, but the number of people that call themselves Christians that do not see Satan as real. They see some dark, evil force out there. But we've seen as we look at the truth about him, as we find out from the Word of God, that Satan is real. He is a person that was created by God, that was created in perfection, before he himself fell through pride. We also saw that the position after that fall that he currently holds as a prince of the power of the air, as the prince of this world, as the God of this world, basically as the God of this, the ruler of this world system that you and I live in. And of course, we've looked at his power and the influence that he can have on the world, on the people of this world. And of course, thank God as Christians, the limited power because he can never, ever do anything more to a child of God than God allows him to do. God is still in control. But then, of course, as we moved on from that, we looked at his purpose, and we need to realize that with our enemy, that he had two primary purposes, one to defeat God and the other to destroy man. And we looked at many things in, in pertaining to that. And, of course, as we began to Look, this morning we saw as we looked at his providence and, of course, as we uh, reviewed some of the things that we've looked at during this study on your timeline that, that, that shows us exactly where God tells us precisely when these things are going to take place and his fall. And we looked at all of that and then we moved into our, to our final point uh, on this series uh, talking about Satan, which is dealing with our protection. We know how it's going to end. We know the end of the story, and we can praise God for that. We ended, ended this morning with that great passage 
the one that I've asked to be read at my funeral, praise God. If nothing else is done, I want Romans chapter 8 to be read. Amen. We read Romans chapter 8 through verse 28 through uh, verses 39 there. Folks, there is nothing, nothing that we need as Christians to fear. And of course, we looked at our, our protection in this real battle that we're in right now. And of course, we looked first of all at the blood. You know, being under the blood. If you're not under the blood, then there's nothing else in all the world that can protect you from this enemy that is out to defeat you out there. And the second one, you can either call it backbone or you can call it boldness. But we look there in James where so many times we hear people quote that, you know, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But they leave off the first part, submit yourself unto God. And the truth is, is that we need to submit ourselves, put ourselves under the authority of Jesus Christ himself and then resist, stand up against Satan. But we can only stand up against him when we are placed ourselves totally and completely under the, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we looked at that simple thing called belief. Folks, if we're going to defeat our enemy, then it's going to come through faith. We sang that great hymn this morning, Faith is the Victory. And we really broke that down into two aspects of belief in the Savior, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we really believe that what he did was sufficient? that Jesus Christ truly did conquer death, hell, and the grave, that the victory was won over Satan. It's already won. It's already completed. And we read that in God's Word. Do we believe that the Savior was, was sufficient? And do we believe God's Word? Do we believe what God tells us about it? And I, I use that illustration, if you would, that I, I said that I'd read at some point about the pendulum. You know, when we really find out, it's easy for us to say we believe but the truth comes down to it when we really, truly comes down to a matter of life and death for it, when it's really put to the test. And of course, as we said that we wanted to move this evening into this final, final uh, point on this, uh, our protection against our enemy, Satan, that is the battle armor. And you know, I, I couldn't time things. You know, this morning was our time as a church to come around the Lord's table in communion. If I tried to work out the sermons and time it in such a way to where it would perfectly come that we'd happen to be talking about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and our faith and trust in Him, I'd have messed it all up in trying to do it myself. And this evening, the final sermon that I'll be preaching, did I hear an amen? <laughs> the final sermon that I'll be preaching for uh, at least, uh, what, the next uh, couple of weeks now, uh, because Brother Brian Beaver will be with us ministering starting this Wednesday and then both of the two following Sundays but I couldn't have timed it to end up in this passage uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 because this is the theme of our Bible conference, which has been for these years running up until now. And I'd like for us to read that passage once against now, beginning in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 and reading down through verse 20. He says, and I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, the Apostle Paul and all that he's been teaching, this is his final words to this church at Ephesus. This is how he's summing up. This is what it all comes down to. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we thank you again for this evening, for the time that we have, for the blessings that have been ours, Lord. But Father, now as we come to this most important part of looking into your word, we realize that we're so fully, totally, completely reliant upon you. Father, we pray that you would take this word that you've preserved for us and that you would quicken it with your spirit, that you would make it a heart and uh, alive into our hearts. Lord, that we would be receptive to that which you have for us this evening. Father, may this flesh of this man be put out of the way. And Lord, in the limited time that we have, may you get across that that would fill the needs of these hearts here this evening. And may you receive all the glory for it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. I am certainly... Not exaggerating in the least. Now, folks, just on this passage here on the armor of God, for those that have been here a number of years, you know that I've done whole series just on this passage of Scripture. For those of you that were here last summer while we were away doing all of these weddings around the world, uh, Pastor Iveson did a series on this particular passage for you. And the truth is, is that there is no way in the world in these next minutes that I've got here, that I can even do just in giving you a, a summary of what's here. But keep in mind that the focus of what we're looking at in these sermons is the contending for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And that there are fundamentals of this faith that we must be willing to stand upon and find that this is just one of those. And as we look here this evening, it's not to exhaust this passage but just to remind you, as we have looked at those other four things this morning, that if we're going to be effective in this battle that we have upon our hands, and folks, we are fighting a battle, and we need to be involved. We don't need to just be sitting on the sidelines cheering everyone else on. We find that there's some very, very pertinent instruction that's given to us in this passage. Now, I've broken it down into just... Three simple points that I want to summarize it with. First of all, the injunction to action. Second, the insights on the enemy. And thirdly, the instruments of battle. And as we look first of all at this injunction to action that we're given here, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Literally carries the idea of being continuously empowered. It's kind of like that, that Brother Brown was talking about with the continual surrender that must take place in our life. It's not something that we can just be strong one day and that's going to last for eternity. We need to continually be empowered in the Lord by the source of all power that comes from him. 
It's the Lord's power that needs to, to be manifest in our lives. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a few passages here that you can take and look up and read later. I'm going to skim over a whole lot of notes that I don't have time to, to touch on this evening. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. If you didn't get them all, see me afterwards and I'll give them to you then. Basically, what I want you to see is, is to realize the strength that is there in the Lord. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We find that that strength that comes, he says, be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, God's the one that supplies the armor. It's not something that we have to find ourselves. He expects us, as the Christian warrior, if you would, to put it on. It comes down to this thing that so many times it has been bashed back and forth between theologians for centuries and will continue to do, and that's the difference between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Well, let me tell you, God's sovereignty is real. He's powerful. He has all the power, and He is in control, but we have responsibilities. He's given us everything that we need, but we are the ones that have received the injunction to put it on. It's something that we must do ourselves. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. It's there, but we must put it on if it's going to be effective. For a specific reason, he says that you may be able to stand. The purpose, the purpose of this exhortation, the purpose of this injunction that's being given to us, we saw this morning the importance of on the one hand, when we submit ourselves underneath the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and resist by standing against Satan, our enemy. Folks, we don't have to be afraid to stand against the things of this world, to stand against Satan and all that he represents. He wants us to, to stand our ground. We don't need to retreat and run and hide. He wants us to be victorious in battle not to struggle and to, to live defeated lives as Christians just because that we live amidst this, this evil society that we do. If as Christians we know that the victory is the Lord's, we know that everything's one in Him, then why is all this so important? Why is it necessary that we do this? Folks, because of the seriousness of any given attack, Remember, we can go back and we won't stay there this evening, but remember, Satan's purpose is to destroy. He wants to destroy you. Now, the truth is, if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've got every reason in the world to be afraid. But with Jesus Christ, perfect love casteth out fear. We don't need to walk around in fear. But we find here that as he's talking to us here, that we know that there is a battle that we're going to be involved in. And he wants to defeat you. He wants to beat you down. He wants to take away the joy of your salvation. He wants you to not be effective because as we come to the end of all this, why is the Apostle Paul wanting to fight this battle so much? Because the gospel needs to go out that he might have the boldness to proclaim that gospel to those that need to hear it. So we find that the attacks are going to come. We live in an evil world and we've looked at much of that. But God, from eternity to eternity, he has not 
He will not. He cannot fail. It's impossible for him. His plan and his purpose is for us to be overcomers. And I believe that as we study the, the Word of God, that true believers will be overcomers. Folks, the idea of persevering isn't that we've got to hang on by our fingernails and hope that we can make it someday. The truth is that if we're a child of God and if it's his power that we're living in, then we will persevere. Satan can't get us. We find that we have a real enemy. Our exhortation, and I'd love to give you so much there, but it's to be strong. Don't walk around with your head down weakling. Be strong to put on the armor of God, to stand, to be strong in the Lord, to put on all of this armor so that you will be able to stand against this enemy that we've been talking against. And of course, then he goes on to, just to make sure you know exactly why you need this armor, he tells us exactly who it is that we're fighting, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of who? Of the devil. Now, we've looked at much about him that the Word of God has taught us, and we don't need to, to go back there this evening and, and look at any more details there, I don't think. But the enemy, the enemy is described, he says, against the wiles of the devil. It carries with it the idea of, of trickery, of, of craftiness. And, of course, we've already looked at this, at the ways that Satan comes against us, and, and deception is one of his great tools that he uses. He likes to ensnare. And, of course, I could give you all kinds of examples in Scripture, mixing error and truth by misquoting Scripture, just as he did with, with Eve in the garden, by magnifying your weakness and motivating your pride, as he tried to do with, with the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, by misusing Scripture, of taking it out of context. But literally so many times, it comes back to part of the testimony here of mesmerizing with promises of power and wealth and this world's comforts. Sometimes getting us to believe that the end justifies the means, promising good through evil. We've looked at some of these things already where he will masquerade as, a, as an angel of light, himself and his ministers, even in mimicking God. Folks, he is, uh, he is good at counterfeits. And we look around us, and one of the things that I've tried to warn you against, you know, I thank God for every true believer out there. But we've got an awful lot of junk going around out there today that departs from the Word of God. And many are masquerading, and, and, and they're saying all these things to the Word of God, and yet we need to be careful. And, you know, I, I don't think that it's my place to spend all my time getting up here and teaching you everything about all the wrong stuff. My emphasis for you is that you know the Word of God. I've shared before the illustration of, you know, when a bank teller is training to do that job, they don't give her a whole bunch of counterfeit money to count to recognize counterfeit. The problem is they handle the real thing so much that when something comes through their hands that's not the real thing, guess what? Ooh, that's not right. <laughs> and, you know, that's the way we need to handle the Word of God. We need to handle the truth. The truth needs to be a part of us in such a way that we will recognize the counterfeit, the false, when it comes. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, that word wrestle there, it literally has the idea of one-on-one -on -one combat, combat. Literally two people wrestling it out one-on-one. -on -one. It's intense and it's personal. We find that 
This wrestling, though, is not against man's strength. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the devil and the very forces of hell. He says here against principalities, those high-ranking hierarchy of demonic activity that we've talked about, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, those that are in revolt against God. Of course, they're limited to the darkness here on earth, that which is completely contrary to Christ, who is the light. Remember, we've looked at this idea before. You know, God's not the one that puts the darkness there. The darkness comes automatically as a result of the light not being there. The light always overcomes the darkness. The darkness can never overcome the light. The problem in the world, the reason for the darkness is because of a lack of light. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we've seen how that one of Satan's tricks, he wants to, to darken those minds. Spiritual wickedness in high places. There's an army of spiritual enemies. And we've got to be careful. We know that there's a lot today that see a demon under every rock. They want to blame everything else on everybody else and everything else except taking responsibility for their own sin themselves. But that doesn't take away the fact that we have a formidable enemy, a powerful enemy. And he's described to us as just here a, a, a few of the things that we need to contend against We've said many times during these few sermons that we need to recognize what we're up against. Not a bunch of, of folklore, but we need the truth as God has given it to us. Praise God. You know that when you're with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're fighting on the right side of this battle. The victory is the Lord's. The battles are real. Right now, here in this evil day, in this evil world, he goes on again in verse 13, wherefore. In other words, with, with this in mind, knowing this to be true, understanding these things, he says, take unto you. Gives the idea of, of immediate action. No time to lose. Right now is the time for action. Take it unto you, the whole armor of God. Folks, ordinary weapons won't do. All of the intelligence and all of the, the power this world can give us, it won't accomplish this task. Right now, right this instant, we need to take unto us the whole armor of God, the equipment that He has provided for us. He's provided it all. And you don't have to pay for it. It's freely given, just as our, our salvation. It's there. But we must receive it. We must take it. He says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We see people fall all around us. One of the things that, that saddens me so many times is when we look around and we see people that were one time on fire for God, were really seem to be doing something for God, but they've fallen by the wayside. And you know, I've never yet... Maybe it's different with you, Pastor. I've never, Pastor, I've never met the first backslider that sat down and planned to backslide. I've never met the first one that saw it when it was happening. It's more of a thing of waking up one day and how in the world did I get here? We do have a real battle. You see, we don't have to fear anything, but we need to be wise and we need to understand our only hope to stand our ground. 
against this, this formidable enemy that we have. It's not to be passive. It's not to stand by and do nothing and hope for the best. Folks, we need to be strong in the Lord. We need to be strong in the power of His might. We need to put on the whole armor of God that He has supplied for us. We need to stand our ground firmly, victoriously. We don't have to give an inch to Satan. He says, having done all to stand, having done everything to stand firm, we can be victorious. We looked at that already this morning. And again, there's so many things, but I want you to notice here the instruments, the parts of this battle that he, this battle armor that he gives to us. He says, first of all, your loins gird about with truth. Your loins gird about with truth. The girdle in verse 14. You know, the girdle, it was like the, it was like the belt that went around the, the, the midsection. And it's very, very important. That was actually the first thing that they would have to put on when the, when the soldier, now he's using metaphorically here, the Roman soldier's armor that they would have been familiar with. You put on your girdle of truth. And of course, again, we could say so many things there. Of course, we know. We know that truly when it comes right down to us, this is the gauge of all truth. And it's the truth that will set us free. We find that we look at the truth. We know that that's set against deceitfulness, which is what Satan is all about. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the truth. We find that I think this really deals with a number of things that we could look at, but of course, we know that, that when it's the truth that comes from God, we have the truth that we hold here. But I believe it goes a bit further than that too. Because that truth, when it applies to our lives, you know, this is the truth, but many people handle it deceitfully. Many people handle it wrongly. God's truth is the only truth. It's the only gauge. But folks, our lives need to be truth. There's no room for hypocrisy in all this. If we're going to fight in this battle, if we're going to protect ourselves, if we're going to put on this armor, it's got to begin with truth, with honesty, with God and with ourselves and with those around us. They're going to figure out real quick if you're just all talk and no action. You can talk the Christian talk. And of course, we live in a day when it's so easy to know all of the theological terms and know what they mean. But people are looking at your life. Do they see something that's true, something that's honest. But they see something they have to question and wonder about. It all begins with the truth. And of course, then he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. You see, truth is going to be coming from a whole lot of things, our, our attitude and our speech, but this breastplate of righteousness, that gets down to where we live. <laughs> that's just simply living holy lives living devout lives. And we can look at so many things in, in, in the Word of God. We're commanded to live holy. And yes, I know. I know that this flesh isn't holy. I know that there's nothing holy about this flesh. But you remember that simple illustration that I've used with you so many times? Don't get focused. Don't get focused on, on, on the flesh and the things of this flesh and trying to figure out what's okay with God. I can do this or not do this and go here and not go there and God's not going to strike me dead. I'm not going to get a, a thunderbolt out of the sky. 
The reality is not to see how much of the world that you can keep a hold of and be okay with God, but it's how much like the Lord Jesus Christ can you be and be away from the world. Boy, that's, that's, that's what this breastplate is all about. You know, I've heard people say, and, I, and I'm, I'm not taking offense because I'm not smart enough to, some people talk about the breastplate being just the breastplate on, on the front, and that, of course, the back's not protected because you never run and hide anyway. But I, I think, in fact, if you study that the, the Roman breastplate was a two-piece thing that covered the front and the back that went on, and it fastened to this girdle that he's already put on. That's what it had to fasten to. So he's put on the girdle of truth. He's honest. He's genuine as a child of God, but then he's living with the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anything holy that's going to be seen in your life or mine, it's going to be the Christ shining through us in the lives that we're living. I know there's nothing holy about me. That is, that's why it's more important than ever that I get me out of the way and let Christ come through. You know, I, I've shared with you before, I can, I can remember as a young Christian thinking, boy, you know, how lucky my church was to get me, and, you know, I was on fire, and I was going to do all these things, and boy, you know, I was going to be one of the best Christians they ever had. It didn't take me long to wake up. I mean, I've been raised in a Christian home. I should have known better anyway. It didn't take me long to figure out. Remember the illustration that I gave you some time back? You know, there's only one reason why we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we come into the light. The light suddenly shines this dark sin in our lives. The light of the truth, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light. You know, our, our life is supposed to be getting closer to Him, more like Him all of the time. The truth is, the closer we get to the light, guess what, brother? The closer you get to the light, the more there is shows up. The closer you get to the Lord, the more these specks and dirt, you know, you know, things don't look like they ought to look. And it can almost seem like, a, you know, a, a, a defeated thing. Well, the closer I get to the Lord, the more I realize just how ungodly that I am. Well, you'll never truly see just how ungodly that you are or your pastor is or anybody else. All the truth is, folks, we need to get closer and closer to Him because when we really truly see ourselves for what we are in our sinfulness, we see more of Him. And it's all about Him. It's all about Jesus Christ. That's what this breastplate of righteousness, that's what's going to protect you. Get rid of yourself and get more and more of Him. Clothe yourself in Him. Realize that it's not you that's going to do it, but there's a Jesus Christ that lives and dwells within you. He's the one that can live that holy life. He's the one that can do what you can't do for yourself. He says in verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your feet shod with the preparation. This is probably the one that the meaning has been debated more than any others here. You know, the truth is, though, is that you shod your feet for a purpose. You put your shoes on because you're going to walk somewhere. You take them off when you go in and go to, and go to bed at night. Hopefully you don't sleep with your boots on. <laughs> you put your feet on when you're preparing to go out to do something. And, of course, you know, the Roman soldiers, many times their, their shoes were actually studded with nails. And, and, and that gave them grip on those, on those roads. As a matter of fact, that was one of the things with, with Julius Caesar, how he kept surprising his enemies because he had shot his soldiers in such a way they were always getting there faster than they ever thought that those armies would be able to arrive. And the same thing with Alexander the Great. 
They were catching their enemies by surprise, even when the enemy knew that they were coming. We need to be prepared. The real question is, are we prepared? You see, first of all, we ask ourselves, am I really sincere and genuine and honest with God and with me in my Christian walk? Secondly, am I really living the kind of life that I can honestly engage in this battle that's going on? Thirdly, am I prepared to proclaim the gospel of peace? You can go out and talk to your blue in the face, folks. But these things have all got to be there if your life is going to accomplish anything. And of course, he says, verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, again, I'm no expert, but from what I can gather, the Roman shield that's being used here stood about, stood about four feet high, and it was about two and a half feet across, and it was literally covered in, in, in leather so that when the, the enemy's darts come in the fires, it would literally put them out. And so when he's using this metaphor, it was a very real thing that they looked at. Satan has all kinds of darts that he'll throw at you. But you need the shield of faith. We talked about that this morning. We talked the, the importance, the importance and the difference between just knowing the words and saying that you believe it and actually living like you believe it. If we're going to defeat this enemy, the shield that you're going to have is going to be your faith. Folks, you're going to have to live it. Live that faith. Practice that faith day by day. And of course, he says in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. You know, it's a simple question. I've, I've asked you so many times. You know, it's this helmet that protects the head, the intelligence. And that mind is the battlefield. You better believe that, that Satan's going to try to be getting to it. And if you're ever going to be effective in your Christian life, you better know one thing that you know with absolute certainty, and that's without any shadow of a doubt, that you know that you're saved, that you're a child of God, that you're on your way to heaven. You've got to know it. You've got to be certain of it. The devil can play with your mind. You're never going to be effective. And he says here, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's why all those years ago, what is this? I don't know, six, seven, anybody know how many years it's been since we started the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference? 2003. So I guess this is like our eighth one. <laughs> the Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Folks, now some people say all these others are defensive, and this one is offensive. Well, I understand what they're saying. And yes, it will protect you. But they're all not only defensive, they're all offensive. They're all bent to do battle. You know, you put on the armor not just to stand there and not get hurt. You put on the armor so that you can go into battle. And this is our sword. And again, notice that it's that girdle of truth that that scabbard is fastened to. But the problem is they can have the best sword that's ever been. It's got the sharpest edges, the greatest balance, and everything else. But if it stays in the scabbard, it'll never do any good. Too many Christians, they've got their Bibles. They know what's in it, but they're not using it. They're not using it in the battle that we've got. I'm telling you, folks, not that you might fear, 
We need to be effective in this battle that we've got on our hands. He is the prince of this world. He is the God of this world. He's the ruler of this world system. But folks, there's something beyond this world system. And we've got the instrument right here that we need to be able to fight this battle. Even Jesus Christ himself, when Satan come to him there on the mountain and he tempted, even Jesus, what he used against him was the word of God. That's, our, that's what we're going to be able to fight this battle with if we're ever going to be effective. Not all of our ideas, not all of our programs. Yes, we want to meet the needs of people. Yes, we want to be effective in what we're doing. But folks, this is where it's all got to come from, is God's Word. This is what it's going to be based on. That's what all of this is about. This is what we've got to fight for. This is what we've got to contend for. Because every time there's something, that the, the truth that's taken out of this sword, our offensive becomes less and less effective all of the time. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Truth and integrity, righteousness, peace, faith. Salvation. Folks, this is a battle to be won. And I'm just simply, simply wanting to leave you with this thought tonight. You don't have to run and hide. God needs soldiers time and time again. We sing about it tonight. We read about it throughout God's Word. There's too many passive Christians today that are happy enough that they know that they're not going to hell, they're going to heaven, and they just want to bide their time. Well, I know sometimes we can get the wrong ideas about being militant, <laughs> being aggressive, but I'm saying to you, we need to be militant about the things of God. We need to be aggressive. May I say to you, that's what this is all about, going out there on those doors and getting those children into those camps. That's exactly why we'll be out there again a Saturday a week in the open air in the city center and, and, and preaching and passing out those tracts and trying to, to witness. They're not all just going to slide through the doors of that building. No, the enemy's not going to like it. We've seen him come against us more in recent years when it comes to a lot of the witnessing than we ever have in all of these years. That doesn't mean we run and hide. We've got all the protection that we need. But folks, you're the one that must put it on. You're the only one. These things need to be put on. It's an action of your life. It's the way that we live. It's the way that we think. As Christians, we can have the armor. We can take on the enemy because we've got the power in Jesus Christ to be able to accomplish it. Father, we thank you so much this evening. And Lord, our, our time has run away from us. But Lord, as we have just so quickly skimmed over these things this evening, I pray, I pray that you would take, Lord, and use these simple things just as a reminder. Lord, to each and every one that is here, we do have an enemy, and we need to recognize who he is and what he's about. But Father, we're here, we're here to do battle for you. We're here to contend for this faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We're here to go out boldly and to proclaim the gospel every opportunity that we have and, Lord, to support others to be able to go out and do the same around this world. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, not to be a, a, a church that's militant in the wrong way, but a church that's militant for the truth and with the truth, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I 
pray, God, that you'd help us to make a difference, not just to be a, a satisfied bunch of people that are, that are sitting back and biding our time until our Lord returns for us. But I pray that you'd help us to get involved in the battle, to fight, to protect ourselves with the protection that you've given us, and to fight this battle with the instruments of war that you've placed in our hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 